Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This podcast contains adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence. It may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Not once in the last seven years has anyone from the police department or city updated him on the investigation into his mother's death. They didn't come to me and tell me that, hey, we might have a killer. My mother took three shots, three perfect shots while the car was moving. Now, these type of shots, it was impossible to be accidental. I got my hands on the Tamara Green homicide file. After a month of requests that went nowhere, it suddenly landed in my inbox through a Freedom of Information Act request. The department sent copy of an old brown folder. The words Tamara Green and Eric Mitchell are scrawled on it in bold black Sharpie. The first thing I notice is that her name is spelled wrong. It's missing the E. I dug right in, and it was interesting. Not just for what's in it, although there were some new insights about trails police were following over the years and how they got there. But it's also interesting for what's missing. The file is 102 pages. Many of the pages are redacted, covered in black ink. I was told it was protect private information like driver's license numbers. What is inside the folder is the initial police report. It's two pages long, neatly typed. The report describes the car, the bullet holes, the 12 casings on the ground, the fact that Tamara's death appears to have been caused by a gun blast to her left temple. The report says it was 50 degrees outside, relatively balmy for April in Detroit, when the crime happened at 3.40 a.m. on April 30th, 2003. Tamara was wearing a blouse and shorts. One witness is listed on the report. It's unclear how he surfaced, but the witness says that the other victim in the car, Strawberry's boyfriend, Eric Mitchell, was feuding with a man named Derek King over missing drugs and over Strawberry. The men had exchanged shots on the freeway, the witness said. I'm Christy Strasser, and this is Who Killed Strawberry? Episode 5, 
old theories and new suspects. Carol Teagarden is a former reporter for the Detroit Free Press. She wrote a book and a play about the Tamara Green case in the early 2000s. They were off and on battling. They were friends in the club, but enemies outside, so they were battling. It was like a drug turf feud, basically. Not so much turf over money, it's about money. Yeah. Some big cache of drugs turned up missing that Eric was responsible for, and this guy torched his car. Eric had a different car, so he torched it. And it's a familiar pattern. Yeah, that's part of the beef with Eric and this other yeah, drug the dealer. Yeah, really between Eric and this guy. Apparently the police came, and by that time, everybody was out of there. Everybody was gone. No arrests, nothing. They keep their mouths shut. They don't want to, you know, it's, 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 um, it's dangerous to, to talk about this stuff in public. In the file, there are several handwritten notes on yellow legal paper. Neat handwriting. They're easy to understand. There are also mud shots of Derek King, known as Little D. There are also a few typed up notes about a jailhouse informant, the one who fingered King for Strawberry's murder. Those notes are from Detective Mike Carlisle in 2008. The homicide report is from 2003, and there's nothing in the file from between those two dates or after them. Although we do know Detective Ira Todd was working on the case in 2017. Former Detective Al Bowman, who was among the first to catch the case, he'll tell you he knows around about a possible connection to the never proven party at the Manugian mansion, the one where Strawberry supposedly performed for the mayor. But there's nothing in the file about who they questioned or what they found out. We do know the first detective on the scene, Marion Stevenson. She testified in a later lawsuit that her files kept disappearing. She said her case notes were erased from her computer, her zip files, which she'd kept in a locked cabinet in the DPD, they disappeared. Four floppy disks where she had stored evidence they all went missing. Here's what else was going on, according to newspaper reports from the time. In a Detroit News report, Bowman alleged both former Detroit Police Chief Jerry Oliver and current Chief Ella Bully Cummings gave a, quote, unexplainable amount of attention, end quote, to the Green case. With Oliver on numerous occasions requesting the file be sent to his office for review, Quote, on each occasion, the file was returned with reports missing from the file, end quote. That from Bowman in an affidavit. Al Bowman, who headed the squad that was the first one tasked with solving the Tamara Green homicide, he remembers what was going on immediately after her death. Marion was, though, wasn't she? She did make the scene. She took the initial... uh, protocols that were ran by the homicide section. But the preliminary report at the scene would have been generated by the patrol unit that arrived there, the first car or two, whomever was there. Any and everyone had to have written a detailed report, the on-scene officers. And then they would, in turn, 
turn their reports over to the homicide and everything rolls out from there. How many homicides did you handle over the years, 30 plus years? Shoot, I can't even tell you. Almost 10 years ago, there was a murder trial of a uh, police officer and I was called in as part of the jury pool and, and I was asked the question, how many criminal cases have I investigated or been attached to? And I sat there for a minute and, and thinking, how the hell do I know? <laughs> a hell of a lot. Depending on your perspective, what's missing or redacted either bolsters the arguments about a cover-up or about the Minutian party being absolutely not connected in any way to Strawberry's death. Retired Detective Mike Carlisle is emphatic. That's what happened. A drug-related hit with an innocent woman caught in the crossfire. Carlisle wouldn't go on tape, but reporter Charlie LaDuff has talked to him many times about the case. When I came back to Detroit in 2008 from the West Coast, I took a job with the Detroit News, and I really needed a story. You know, you want to come home and you want to hit big. You want a home run. And I'm watching the TV, the flickering, dying TVs, above the editor's desk of the Detroit News. And there's a story about Kwame Kilpatrick's text messages and mm -hmm. something about a stripper named Strawberry Green. I had no idea what they're talking about. I've been in L.A. What do you mean? A murdered stripper. And the mayor, what? So I call the only source I have at that point, which is his name's Mike Carlisle. He's probably the most effective and famous homicide detective in the modern history of Detroit. And I call Mike and I say, hey, Mike, you know anything about the Strawberry Green case? He goes, I don't know anything about the Strawberry Green case. They just dumped the goddamn file on my desk. I'm like, oh, my God, can I see it? He says it's three fucking feet tall. Meet me for breakfast. So I meet him for breakfast. He brings a small file and off we go. Ladoff has his own compelling backstory. One that includes the murder of his sister in Detroit. His young sister, who was caught up in drugs and prostitution on Detroit's west side, was killed jumping out of a John speeding car. Leduff writes about it in his book, Detroit, an American Autopsy. Now, as far as, as, far as I can tell from my reporting from that file from the homicide detectives, it went something like this. Strawberry Green was much like my sister. She was a party girl. She hung out with dope dealers, and she got in the middle of a beef with two guys and a quantity, a kilo or so of, of cocaine that went missing. So one guy was trying to hunt down another guy, and the guy he was trying to hunt was hanging out with Strawberry Green. So if you imagine the way Strawberry Green, they said, it, you know, the rumors, it was a professional hit. It was a 40 cal, much like the police use. Okay, if it was a professional hit, then... How did it go like this? The shooter turns the corner up on outer drive, reaches out with his left hand and blasts into a car. Hardly the mark of a professional. Now, Strawberry Green, she's driving, she dies, and the passenger, her boyfriend, the stud that he is, he drops to the floorboard, he gets hit, but he doesn't die. Now, if it's a professional hit, you don't leave witnesses. 
the, the cop that started spreading this, this tale, he's like, she was shot 18 times. Well, she wasn't. I got the autopsy report. She was hit three times. Was there a party? Possibly. Was there a party where there's a, a stripper party at the mayor's mansion? And every swinging dick law enforcement officer at it, including the attorney general, the chiefs of police, the mayor's wife comes in and beats the hell out of a stripper half to death with a baseball bat or a high heel shoe. And they all just sat there and watched that. It's hard to believe. Now, was there a party? I have no doubt that there were parties at the Manoogie. And I know there were parties at the Pontchartrain during the Super Bowl with strippers. Did it lead to, you know, a mayoral sanctioned hit on a party girl? It's doubtful. Carlisle sent us these words in a message. Any Detroit resident who grew up in the neighborhoods will tell you, if you've been shot at or shot, you know who your assailant was. Retaliation follows and innocent lives are killed because of the reckless violence that permeates the city. Unfortunately, Tamara Green is one such example. Who cries out for justice for the countless other citizens of Detroit who lost loved ones? Three people know who killed Tamara Green. Eric Mitchell, Derek King, and myself. As Lil D said, she just happened to be in the way. As I always said, this is Detroit, not Hollywood. I did find Tamara's former boyfriend, Eric Mitchell, on Facebook. I wanted to ask who he believes, or even saw, open fire at him and Tamara from what's been described as a white SUV. Mitchell had been in jail before on drug charges, but he's been out for years. He's kept his nose clean for so many years, he doesn't even have a mud shot in the system anymore. His Facebook profile says he lives in the South, is engaged to be married. I reached out to him a few times, but never heard back. Even without Mitchell naming a suspect, Carlisle told LaDuff and other media sources that he requested a warrant against the man he believed was responsible for Tamara Green's death. And then he retired. If he did request a warrant, the prosecutor's office told me there's no record of it. Everybody asks, why was this case never solved? It actually was solved. If you can get into that police file and talk to detective, retired detective Mike Carlisle, he'll tell you he wanted to draft up a warrant. He knows who the probable shooter is. And then he went to Terre Haute Federal Penitentiary and he talked to a, a man named Butch. And Butch pretty much ran the streets here. And Butch was there with his lawyer. And Butch continues to cooperate with the feds. That's part of his 20-year plea to cooperate. And he told the detective that the shooter got a hold of him and apologized. He said the old girl just got in the way that this was business, that the coke man had gone missing, and he just wanted Butch to know. That stuff is on the record. It's yep. in my book. I've written about it. So as far as I'm concerned, the case is solved. The whole thing mm -hmm. about a party, that, that's just kind of Hollywood, and everybody wanted to make it so, but nothing points to it, but just a bunch of people talking. Were there parties? 
most definitely in my mind, there were parties. I mean, I've been told about a bunch of them by law enforcement, people in local politics, people who say they've been to parties, but I've never talked to a single person who said I was there when the mayor walked in and beat the hell out of the stripper. How it leads to an assassination, I can't see. The suspect who was in Carlisle's sights is Derek King. He's 50 years old now and incarcerated at the Thumb Correctional Facility in Michigan. A level two prison with triple 12-foot fences, rolls of razor ribbon wire, towers, electric perimeter detection systems, and armed personnel. Surveillance cameras everywhere. Hi, this is Christy Strasser with Odyssey, and we have an appointment to talk to Mr. Derek King. He is right here. I will get you connected. One second. Thank, Thank you. you so much. If you'd like some privacy, you want to go on yeah, that. Yeah, Okay. Hello. Derek, how are you? Oh, I'm okay. It's all right. Kane agreed to talk to us from a private room in the prison where he's serving time on gun charges. He was polite and firm, relaxed even, when he said he had no connection to Tamara Green's death. Didn't you have her dance at a party? Well, it wasn't me, but everything that happened is on... I did a deposition with the police and everything. Yeah. So it's all... It's all... uh, public information. Yeah, it is. I just we just wanted to hear it in your words. Now you you said you talked to the police. I actually didn't know. When did you talk to the police? It's years ago. They come I did a deposition, it's all public information. Note that Derek was reluctant to go on the record. Still, I wanted you to hear his voice. Hear what he sounds like when he says he had nothing to do with Strawberry's death. And you told the homicide yeah. cops, obviously, what you just said to us, which is that you didn't have anything to do with it. Oh, of course. Did you know anybody who you thought maybe could have been a suspect? Uh, no. No? No. That's interesting. Just because you were, you know, in that era, on those streets, you know, you knew her boyfriend, Eric Mitchell, who a lot of people say was the target of that right. shooting. Do you not have any idea, or would you just not snitch because you're not a snitch? Well, no, that don't have nothing to do with it, but okay. I don't have no idea. But you were interviewed, and you were cleared, obviously, because you've never been charged. Yeah. What did you hear about the case at the time? Did you... Same thing everybody else here. It was all on the news. Yeah, but you didn't know anything about it that wasn't on the news? Like, you hadn't heard on the streets that Tamara had no. danced at a party? There are people around saying that Kwame was involved in some, like, kind of underworld stuff. Did you know Kwame Kilpatrick at all when he was the mayor? I never met him a day in my life. No, and you never heard from people who said that they did either? No. No. But you did know Tamara, and you knew her from the clubs? Yes. What kind of person was she? She was all right person. Here's the part where he surprises me. He admits to a dispute with Strawberry before her death. Did you guys get into a fight before she died? Because I also heard that. No, not an actual fight, no. 
No. Did you get into an argument? Yeah. About her dancing at a party? Well, something like that. Did you guys have beef when she died, or was it had it been settled by then? No, we have never had any beef. Did you think she was a nice person, or she was a tough lady, or what was she to you? She definitely was a nice person. And what did you think of in general? You know, we talked to James Craig, who was the chief of police in Detroit, and he later on, and he told us there was a lot of stuff to clean up in the police department when he came in because it had been, you know, the Wild West before he came in. When you were working the streets at that point, did you think the cops were kind of the Wild West? I have no idea. I didn't deal with the cops. You never dealt with the cops? You never? No. Okay. Good or bad, you never heard what people said about them? Yeah. I never dealt with the cops. Why do you think the cops questioned you in her death? Did they tell you why they were asking you questions? I'm not the only one they questioned. <laughs> there are people that they questioned. That's how investigations go. You think they question a lot of people? Yeah, I know they question a lot of people. It's all public information. I mean, you had no fear when they questioned you? Of course not. Did you give them any tips about someone else who they should be talking to? Uh, no. Do you remember the last time you saw Tamara Green? No, I can't remember that. It's been years and years and years ago. Yeah, it wasn't memorable. It's been years ago. Do you remember anything about Tamara Green in terms of, like, her dancing or her on the streets? <laughs> no. No. I don't feel comfortable answering those questions. No, that's not bad. Just talk about how you you knew her. Because, I, I mean, I, there's no question you were definitely hanging out at those clubs in Detroit. A lot of people were. That's right. And seeing her dance. And people tell us that she was sort of like the number one girl at these clubs. All right. Was that your perception? Yeah, not the number one, nope. No? But you thought she was pretty good at it? Oh, yeah, she was. And she made a lot of money, I think. Yeah, I could probably would say she was okay making money. Yeah. What would you say to anybody who accused you of killing her? Do your investigation. You're doing your own investigation if you accuse me of doing anything. Because you had nothing to do with it. Right. I heard that at one (laughs) point there was maybe a warrant in her death, but it was never served because of lack of evidence. I never heard that. You never heard that? Yeah, So, and you definitely know that you were not named as a suspect in a warrant. Right, you know, I wasn't hard to find. They know where to find me at. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. 
Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Retired detective Carlisle believes King was beefing with tomorrow's boyfriend, Eric Mitchell, in the days leading up to her killing. Both were drug dealers on the streets of Detroit. They had worked together until they didn't work together. What about Eric Mitchell? I mean, you knew him then. Do you know what he's up to now? No, sure don't. I can't find him in any prison record. He seems like he kind of disappeared after that shooting. I have no idea. So you haven't heard from him, obviously, in a long time. Nope. Did you ever try to find him? Uh, Nope. I've been in prison since 2005. And how long are you in for? A few more years. So you're minding your P's and Q's, right? Exactly. Tea Garden spoke to people who remembered Tamara's bruised eyes. The thing is, that was all happening with Eric Mitchell and this guy not too long before her death because that, she wanted this money. I talked to her lawyer. He told me a lot of this. He said, you can't be this desperate for money that you would risk your life going to a place like that. And he saw her face. He said, she never looked like that. She was perfect. She beautiful skin. He said, and she came in with this black eye. You know, mm-hmm. he said, how are you going to dance tonight? And she said, very carefully with sunglasses on. When Tamara and Mitchell were shot, she was left lifeless in the car. He managed to duck under the dashboard when the SUV approached. And then he ran into a nearby yard and hid in a shed until police arrived. The shooter did not follow him as he ran away. Didn't circle back. Didn't try again to kill him. At least not to anyone's knowledge. Some say that's evidence that she was the target, not him. But Carlisle disagrees. Here's what he said in an interview in 2008 to WXYZ in Detroit. The lead cold case police detective in the case is certain the killing had no ties to the mayor. The fact is, I uncovered nothing regarding Kwame Kilpatrick's involvement in this murder. Now retired, Detroit Police Homicide Detective Mike Carlisle later confirmed that his 18 months of investigation had concluded Darrett Little D. King was the most likely suspect, that the April 30th, 2003 drive-by shooting, the attack on Strawberry's car, left her as collateral damage and not the intended target. It was an attempted assassination of the passenger, a drug dealer named Eric Mitchell, the white SUV that was the drive-by vehicle that night. Little D's wife was in possession of a white Lincoln Navigator. That she affirmed in the statement also. All right, that by itself doesn't mean a lot. But it's one item on a list of circumstantial evidence 
the fact that King is left-handed, as was the shooter, according to witnesses, the fact that officers first at the scene said Mitchell told them Little D was the person that he was having problems with. And then there's the statement made by a big-time drug kingpin named Tommy Hodges, who claims Little D admitted to him he was responsible for the drive-by. And Tommy Hodges gave me a statement about Little D approaching him and told him what had occurred that night. Now, one of the things Tommy Hodges asked Little D was, well, why, what about the old girl? And the only thing Little D told him, she was in the way. People who've spent time analyzing the Strawberry case will tell you the beef between King and her boyfriend wasn't the only drama in her life. Not even close. In her book, Strawberry, How an Exotic Dancer Toppled Detroit's Hip-Hop Mayor, T. Garden outlines four different theories about who killed Tamara Green and why she was killed. When something happens to you, you're killed in this terrible, violent way, yeah. and there is more than one really strong theory well, like about why you, why, you yeah. ended up, why you ended up dead. The aunt, who she was really close with in Mobile, said she wasn't surprised. She was playing with fire. In her book, T. Garden sums it up by writing this. Had she not put herself in risky situations with power mongers, con artists, and dope dealers, she might still be around. Maybe her lifestyle set her up to die eventually on a Detroit side street to be found with multiple gunshot wounds choking on her own blood. Maybe she was in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong boyfriend. Because of her associations, maybe there was more to this murder than for the usual homicide victim, as her family and attorney maintain. Nobody knows. Yet somebody somewhere knows. In the first theory of the case in Tea Garden's book, a member of Kwame Kilpatrick's security kills Tamara Green or gets someone else to do it to silence her about the alleged Manudian mansion party. That's the most talked about theory for the last 20 years. The second theory is Carlisle's. That's the one I already told you about. The beef between dealers with Tamara caught in the crossfire. The third and fourth theories are... um way more obscure and convoluted. One of her boyfriends, he had a mother that was very dangerous. When he moved in, she moved in too. Apparently, that, that was where this other whole deal about the car came to pass, where mm -hmm. she had cancer and she asked Strawberry if she could get her a car. Maybe her aunt could sign. Strawberry did that. To make a long story short, Nobody wanted to pay for that car either, and Strawberry didn't drive it. And so they were going to skim the license, the, um, the tags off the car and sell it. And I think this was a Cadillac. Well, the grandmother, she was another crafty person. She got a hold of that idea and said, nobody's making it. So, you know, that OnStar where you go get yeah. fine cars, she found that car and she took it away and had the dealership come and get it and take it away from that woman. The woman went berserk. And she drove all the way down to Mobile, Alabama and stood at the door. And apparently, Strawberry found out she was scamming her. I guess Strawberry moved out of the apartment. I guess by this time, she was getting scared, and she put all of her stuff in storage. And the mother was furious and said she wanted her stuff back and she wanted the car back. 
And the aunt kind of played it cool and said, well, you can't get that stuff back. And, you know, I mean, it's hard. Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. She um, got that car taken away, this mother, said she was going to kill Strawberry. And she was going on and on. She got a Glock. That was the third. The fourth theory involves a boyfriend Tamara had over the summer of 2002, before Mitchell who allegedly got Green's grandmother to co-sign for a lease on an $80,000 BMW for him to drive. The expectation was that he would make the payments. But eventually, the two of them broke up. No one was paying for the car. Strawberry allegedly reported it as stolen, then got it out of impound and drove it herself. The car was shot up one night when Tamara was working at All Stars. She allegedly suspected the ex was the culprit. The murder theory goes, as T. Darden writes it, the ex opened fire on Tamara and Mitchell in a fit of jealousy that he'd seen Mitchell driving the BMW around town. All of this is to say that Tamara's life at the end was messy. Three young kids, boyfriends, exes, grudges, two black eyes, multiple theories about who could have caused her death. But there's always Occam's razor. The simplest answer is the right one. I mean, it's definitely then possible. I mean, everyone wants the story to be just because it's such a dramatic arc that the Manubian mansion led to her being killed, but she had so many other things going on that could have led to her being killed. Well, detectives named King as their main suspect well after tomorrow's murder. He's never faced any allegation in her death. In fact, the offense date listed on his prison record, the reason he's still in jail, is from Christmas Eve 2004, a year and a half after Tamara Green was killed. The case that landed him behind bars to this day involves King and a companion chasing and shooting at two men with a semi-automatic weapon. They were outside a gas station in Detroit. One guy was hit. A cop on duty happened to hear the gunshots. He reported that he chased King, and eventually Derek gave himself up. But here's where the story gets sticky. That cop let him go. King wasn't charged in that case until 2008, when Mike Carlisle took on the strawberry investigation. He revived the old shooting investigation and got a conviction on it in 2009. King, he was already in jail on weapons charges, so the sentence for the gas station shooting was just tacked on. Another 25 years after the cop who saw him at the scene had let him go. So without Carlisle bringing that case back, Derek King would have been released in 2012. King argued in an appeal in 2010 that he was charged with the shooting because Carlisle was targeting him for Strawberry's death. In 2008, Detroit police officer Michael Carlisle was investigating an unrelated, unsolved case for which he considered the defendant a suspect. 
he discovered that the residue test had shown that the defendant had fired a gun. An arrest warrant was issued, and Carlisle then went to serve the defendant who was in prison on unrelated charges. He lost that appeal. Some would tell you if King did kill Strawberry and he was put behind bars on another charge, it's still justice served. But Derek Kane is due to be released in October 2027. He'll be 54 years old. One of the defining notions of this case in the public view is that Tamara Green was killed with the kind of gun police commonly carry. That's the theory people will tell you when they tie the crime to a cover-up. Detective Al Bowman filed a 10-page affidavit where he said he suspected the shooter was a Detroit law enforcement officer and that because of that, cops had derailed the investigation into tomorrow's murder. Detroit cops are assigned 40 caliber weapons. Bullets recovered from the scene of Strawberry's killing, they were 40 caliber. Another common theme behind the rumors is that the hit looked professional the kind of hit a cop would carry out. So we wondered how much weight to give that. Professional hit 18 times with a police-issued Glock, you'd have to reload and keep blasting away. Hard to believe. Now, the other piece of this. The man next to her who was shot gave a statement to police. He was left alive. Is that a professional hit? No. Do professional hitmen peel around the corner in a white Bronco and just unload out the window? No. But, you know, he's due to be released pretty soon. And Carlisle will tell you he's behind bars. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's essentially like, you know, in a way, justice being served. But yeah. what happens if Derek King gets out and... He's never charged with Tamara Green's death, and no one is ever charged with her death. And then justice is never really served. Like, is that at the feet of Kwame Kilpatrick? I don't know. Well, you know, let me stumble through it. You know how many unsolved murders there are going back to 1960 in Detroit? 14,000. So, justice? Who gets justice in this town? And that's really the, the problem here. In our next episode, Detroit, the world's biggest small town. Did it matter to you that the former mayor owned it? No. What did you think when you heard, like, oh, this is a comic Kilpatrick's soul house? It was pretty nice. It, it, we had a little joke between us that when we were working down the wall, we were looking for money. <laughs> <laughs> Who Killed Strawberry is a production of WWJ News Radio in Detroit. The podcast is produced by Zat Clark and me, Christy Strasser. Special thanks to Bill Smee for copy editing and to Myron Kaplan for audio editing. Please give us a rating and be sure to subscribe. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Anyone with information on the murder of Tamara Green should call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-SPEAK-UP. All tips are anonymous. All views, statements, and opinions made by people in this podcast are theirs alone. 
all individuals should be considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 